This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. It's good to be back with you all this morning. I, I missed you all last week. I was traveling down to Alabama. There was a, a small little church leadership conference down there that I got, went, went to and got to spend time with a lot of different guys from different congregations all across the brotherhood. And, and I appreciate the prayers on my behalf while traveling and the prayers on my behalf today. And I want to say that when I was on the trip, we, we got to talk a lot about this congregation. Uh, a lot of the, the brethren have heard about all the work that's happening here. Uh, all the love, all the support, the welcoming and visitors, all of our outreach um, across the world and being able to spread the gospel. And I want to commend you on that work. Your, the reputation that we have from this congregation is, is definitely spreading abroad. And let's continue that work as we continue to work together. For a little while today, I want to talk about prioritizing godly relationships in our lives. Each one of us, when we think about our lives, we have a lot of different things that we have. We have work, school, different hobbies that we're part of. And, and with all those, we have a lot of different relationships. Some relationships that we can, we can include, we can bring people into our lives. Some people that uh, we don't necessarily get the choice to have in our lives. Sometimes it's different family members that, that's in our lives or whatever. But we all have different relationships in our lives. Some of these relationships are really profitable for our spiritual growth. And some are not so profitable. Some can be quite detrimental to our spiritual growth. And when we think about our lives as Christians, we have choices that we can make every day. And one of the most important choices that we make on a daily basis is, is the ability to prioritize the godly relationships that we have in our life. Prioritize the relationships that bring us spiritual growth, that nurture us, encourage us, help us to grow spiritually, and then we in turn help them grow spiritually. So for a little while today, I want to talk about these relationships that we have in our life there's a quote that we hear pretty often. It's from Jim Rohn. It says, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. When you look at that quote, what he's really talking about here is he's talking about when you look at your, your financial wealth, when you look at your job status, when you look at all these different things in your life, you're typically going to be the average of the people that you spend the most time with. What he'll talk about is if you want to improve your finances, spend more time with more wealthy people and your finances will grow as well. And what I want to look at today is our spiritual life is no different. If you want to become a stronger Christian and you want to be able to withstand the storms of life better, you want to grow in your spiritual walk, let's look at the people that you're spending the most time with. And let's look at how you can spend more time with these godly people. So for a little while today, I want to look at the importance of prioritizing godly relationships in our lives and how we can do that more effectively and then what's going to happen when we all have that same level of priority? What's going to happen collectively? So the first thing we're going to look at is what do you receive from these godly relationships in your life? When you think about some of the godly people that you have, how they walk, how they live their life, you receive things from them. So a few things that, that you receive when they're, those kind of people are in your lives is number one is you get wise counsel. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Just by purely being in the presence of wise Christians, you are going to receive wisdom. And when you think about some of the struggles that we have in life or some of the questions that pop up, a lot of times we can go to all different sources to try to receive wisdom. And one of the main sources we need to go to is our fellow brethren, especially those that are wiser than us, they're older than us, they've been around the block a couple times. We can receive a lot of wise counsel from them. 
Something else that we receive from these godly relationships is love. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it tells us to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. You know, some of the greatest love that I receive in my life is, is from right here in this room. It's fellow Christians that we have, and not only here in this room, but all across the, the world. We have different people that love you, they care about you, they want to help you succeed. Another thing that we see is we'll get these wise counsel that leads us to success. If you look in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. When we think about success, this success could be in, in many different areas in our life. It could be your marriage, it could be your job, it could be parenting, it could be finances. Ultimately, it's spiritual success for your salvation. And what we need to be looking for is finding these wise counselors that can lead us to the success in our lives. And we can, they can help us with that. When we think about Christians and we think about this, these godly relationships in our life, the New Testament uses the phrase one another over 30 different times. We're going to look at some of those. I'm not going to read all the verses here, but let's just look at what we're supposed to do one another for one another um, as Christians. For one, we're supposed to receive one another. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, we're supposed to esteem or have respect for one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, we should comfort one another. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18, we edify one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We admonish one another, Romans 15.14. We serve one another, Galatians 5.13. We submit to one another, Ephesians 5.21. Love one another, John 13, verse 34. And we forgive one another. And there's many other things that we can do. It's over 30 times we have instructions as Christians of what we should do for one another. Now, this is, we look at this and we think about this is what we should do. This is our responsibility to go out and to help these other Christians, to help our brethren. But sometimes we're on the receiving end of this, and we should be on the receiving end of this. That as we're all doing these things for one another, you're going to be receiving this if you're prioritizing these godly relationships in your life. These are the things that you can expect to have. You can expect to get comfort. You can expect to get people to serve you, to submit to you, to respect you, to help you and receive you. There's all these different things that you're going to receive when you're prioritizing these godly relationships in your life. We have an example of this that when I think of an example of close friends, of people who loved one another, who people cared one another, one of the examples that comes to my, my mind first is Jonathan and David in the Old Testament. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 18, Reading verse 1 through 4, this is when Jonathan met David for the first time. Now, now, Jonathan was Saul's son, and Saul was the first king of Israel. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his father's home. To his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now the background, there's a lot of different things we can go into. We're not gonna, we won't go super in depth of the relationship between Jonathan and David, but David grew up basically a poor shepherd boy. Jonathan grew up as the king's son. So when it talks about there, in verse 4, it says that he took the robe off of him. Jonathan gave him the prince's robe and gave to David. He helped him. He, he gave him his sword. He gave him his bow. It says his soul was knit with him 
with the soul of, of David. They were so close. You can look at, continue to read on about Jonathan and David and see all the troubles that David went through from even Jonathan's own father, Saul. Saul tried to kill him many times because he was jealous of him. His pride got in the way. And yet Jonathan stuck with him. He was there with David as a true friend. He comforted them. He encouraged them. He helped them. He gave him plans of escape from when his father was trying to kill him. There's so many different things that Jonathan stuck there as a true friend. Now that's a godly relationship. And that's one that David prioritized in his life and Jonathan prioritized in their life as well. And that stuck with them for the rest of their lives, that they were very close-knit. So there's, there are these relationships that we have in our life that we can receive many, many great blessings when we are prioritizing these relationships and we're having, a, a, having them close to us. Now the next section I want to look at is what do you receive from ungodly relationships? Now these don't necessarily have to be bad relationships. These are just relationships that maybe they don't help your spiritual growth as much as godly relationships. Well, before we get into the ungodly relationships, one thing we have to realize is what if you're in a position of having no relationships or what we would call isolation? In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, it says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his only, only opinion. You know, sometimes we have this desire to be isolated for whatever reason. And sometimes we just don't want to spend time with other people. And it's my opinion that that's a tactic of Satan in order to lead us off track. We have to be very careful with isolation. That if we're choosing to not spend time with other people, then what are you choosing to spend time on? And it may be your own selfish desires. It may be foolish things that you want to go after. And quite frankly, isolation is in direct conflict with the will of God. That is not how God wants us to live. If you look over in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, And all that believed were together, and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods, and they parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Of course, we know that Acts chapter 2, that's the day of Pentecost. That's when the gospel was preached for the first time. That's when all these Jews were at Jerusalem and they became Christians. And they obeyed the gospel and baptism. And it says that they had all things in common. They stuck together. They sold their possessions to give to one another. They continued daily with one accord in the temple. They shared meals together. They well, all with gladness and singleness of heart. You can see that this is the will of God is for us to be together. Isolation is the direct opposite of that, to pull yourself apart and to go away from these people. It is in conflict with the will of God. And it is a tactic of Satan in order to pull us off track. And this isolation will definitely lead you to failure. If you continue to stay in isolation, you continue to stay away from these godly relationships, you will fail. It talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their tool. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one, how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken." What Solomon's talking about here in the book of Ecclesiastes is that when someone is alone, they will fail. And there's nobody there to help them out. So we have to be careful in our lives that we're not pulling ourselves into the state of isolation. 
It is a tactic of Satan in order to get you off track. And if you're feeling isolated, then what we have to do is work against those feelings and go after and follow after these, these godly relationships. Go spend time with other brethren. Now, there are other relationships that you have in your life that it, regardless of isolation, you're spending time with other people in your life, and we have to make sure that we're aware of what those relationships could cause. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, tells us to be not deceived that evil communications corrupt good manners. Sometimes these relationships in our life, they're detrimental to our spiritual growth. We have to be aware of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to cut out all relationships in your life that aren't profitable for you. What I am telling you, and what the Bible is telling us, is to make sure we're not being deceived and make sure that we're aware of these relationships. All relationships are going to influence you one way or the other. They're either going to help your spiritual growth or they're going to be detrimental to your spiritual growth. And we have to be able to recognize what these relationships are doing for us. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. If we continually choose to spend these time on relationships that are detrimental to our spiritual growth, then we will be destroyed. It will get us off track, it will pull us astray, and it will lead us to destruction. So we have to be careful of these. We have an example of this as well. If we look back in the Old Testament, we can see Solomon. Now, Solomon was King David's son, so he would have been the third king of Israel. You had Saul was the first king, David was the second king, Solomon was going to be the third king of Israel. Now, Solomon was known as the wisest man that ever lived, but God gave him very clear instructions of what he should do regarding relationships in your life. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, it says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in, in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So here we can see it's really interesting when you look at those first three kings of Israel. You had Saul was the first king. At first he started off right of following after God's will, and then he quickly went bad. He quickly started following after his own lust. He let pride get in the way, and he didn't follow after God. And then you had David was the second king. David is, is mentioned in Acts, uh, Acts <clears throat> that he's a man following after God's own heart. He definitely submitted himself humbly. He followed what God wanted to do. He, he did everything. His own son, Solomon, at first started following after God. He started doing the things that were right, doing the things that were good. However, he did exactly what God warned him not to do which is to go unto these strange women, these relationships that don't follow after God. And these strange relationships, the, the relationships that followed after God, not after God, they led him away just as God warned him that we do, he would do. And we have to be careful of the relationships in our life. If some people are not going to follow after God, they're not going to do what they need to do, then they have the power to influence you as well. And we have to be careful of that. If you continue on in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 9, it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which he appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. 
but he kept not that which the Lord had commanded. So here's, we see the two different examples here. You have the example of David and Jonathan really prioritizing that godly relationship with each other. They stuck with each other. They helped each other. They encouraged each other. And both of them found spiritual success. And then you had Solomon, who he chose to these other relationships that didn't help his spiritual growth, and instead it turned his heart after other gods, and he found spiritual fail failure. So we have the opportunity to either look towards godly relationships and prioritize those in our life, or we prioritize other relationships in our life, and we have to be careful that they're not going to lead us astray. So the third thing I want to look at is now that we understand the importance of what these godly relationships are for us, how do we prioritize godly relationships in your life? What do you actually do to make this happen? There's a quote that I came across, and that's Peter Drucker. He said, show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll show you what you really value. And I think that's important for us to look at is, what does your calendar look like? Where do you spend the most amount of time? Who do you spend the most amount of time with? If we really look at our calendar, I, I agree that it really does show us some, where our values are at. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, one way that you can prioritize godly relationships is simply coming to the worship assemblies. And I know a lot of you here in this room, you really make that a priority, and that's great. It, it definitely should be a priority to be here as often as you can. Another thing we do got to consider is coming here on Sunday mornings is a relatively very small percentage of your week. In fact, there's 168 hours in a week. When we come here on Sunday mornings, we're here for roughly two hours, maybe three. That's about 1.2% of your week spent in assembly. So it is good that we prioritize the assembly, and if that's the only thing you do to spend time with godly relationships, you're only doing it 1.2% of the time. That's probably not going to be enough. So there's definitely other ways that we need to be able to prioritize. So how can we prioritize spending more time with godly Christians outside the assemblies? What else can we do? Well, one of the things we can do is schedule time for hospitality. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessities of the saints, and given to hospitality. When you look at that given to hospitality, it means that you're looking for every opportunity to serve one another, to spend time with one another. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It doesn't have to take a lot of money. It's purely just making the conscious effort to spend time in hospitality with other people. Maybe it's having people come over to your house. Maybe it's going to share a meal at a restaurant. Maybe it's just spending time with people at a park. Whatever it is, it's just truly spending time with your brethren. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says that above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. It, to me, it's interesting that Peter writes here, he says to use hospitality one to another. And, and it kind of implies that hospitality is a tool that we have that we can share love towards one another. Now, hospitality is this tool. It's one of the best ways that you can establish and grow relationships. You can strengthen relationships. It's purely by spending time with one another, especially by spending time with one another in your own homes. You know, it, it, I've heard it said before that the kitchen table can build a bond between people that no other place can build. And I believe that. 
When you spend time with other people at your kitchen table, you share a meal with them and, and the safety of your home, you're going to talk about some in-depth stuff. You're going to get people that they'll be a lot more open and transparent with their struggles, with what they have going on in their life. You can be more transparent with what you've got going on in your life. And it builds this bond and this relationship that it's just not going to be built anywhere else. And hospitality is a great tool that we have. The first century Christians, they did this. We look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 46. It says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It's a great example that we see from very early Christians. We think about the Jews that came to Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. They were from all these different nations. You can look up earlier in Acts chapter 2 about all these different regions that they were from. They probably didn't know each other. They were from different areas and they had different backgrounds and different lifestyles. But when they became a Christian, when they obeyed the gospel, it says that they continued to stay with each other. They continued to develop these relationships. They prioritized those relationships. They could have gone back to their lifestyles. They could have gone back to their homes, but they didn't. They stayed in Jerusalem. They stayed with each other. They continued to meet with each other and break bread from house to house. It's a great example that we can see that where the hospitality can be used to grow and strengthen relationships. The second way that you can prioritize these relationships is look for opportunities to serve one another. If you look over in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, it says, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we be no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by, hunting, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, by whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus here, and what he's teaching us here is that we all have different abilities, we all have different things that we have. So he gives the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, we all have these different things that we can do for one singular purpose, and that's in verse 12. That is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Use what God has given you in order to build your brethren up, to help equip them so that they can continue to go do work together. If you go down there in verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, which we're all the body as Christians, were joined and held together by every joint with which is it, equip, it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part of the body, you are part of the body as Christians, must work properly. You must, you must be able to give what you can in order for the body to grow. So look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to play your role in building up the rest of the body. And each member receives that benefit of being built up by all the rest of the body. The third thing that you can do is visit other congregations. If you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica here, and he's commending them upon their work, upon their faith, and the example that that congregation was giving out to all the other regions. Now, I talked about earlier how when I was down in Alabama, the example that this congregation is spreading out to all the other regions is, is growing great, and it's encouraging people, it's helping people, it's giving a good example. And we're not the only congregation doing that. There's many other congregations that we know about full of godly Christians that you can choose to spend time with, and they will build you up as well. So I would really encourage you, if you haven't visited other congregations when they're having gospel meetings, when they're having singings, when they're having just different things of fellowship, prioritize those in your life. Go spend time with other Christians. It will definitely help you. It will help you grow. So these are just a few things. There's many other things that we can do in order to prioritize these godly relationships in our life and, and making sure that they are a big part of our life. When we all do that as Christians, the next thing I want to look at is what will be produced. When we all really prioritize these godly relationships, we're really making sure we're spending time with each other, we're encouraging one another, we're helping each other. What is going to be produced in the body of Christ? The first thing that's going to be produced is a place of belonging. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Then go down to verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of this household of God. We all were without Christ at one point. When we prioritized worldly relationships, worldly things, when we didn't uh, follow after Christ and we hadn't obeyed the gospel, we were strangers, we were aliens, we were cut off. But what we do is when we are baptized into Christ and we're living the way that we should, we're prioritizing these relationships in our lives, it creates us to be fellow citizens with all the other saints. It creates this place of belonging that we can come together and we know that we fit in. We're here with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it brings us members of the household of God as the family of God. The second thing that it does is it creates a bond of love. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the, wit to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. This love that we share with one another, this creates a bond. It creates a, a stickiness, if you will, to keep us in, into this household of God, this love that we will share. And this, it is this love that keeps us together that when the world is trying to pull us all apart and it's trying to separate the body and it's trying to force you into isolation, it's love that's what keeps us together. And it's this bond of love. 
The third thing it produces when we prioritize these relationships is a place of appreciation. If you look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, if there, be, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this be mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we all esteem others better than ourselves, it's going to naturally show this appreciation and respect for all of our fellow brothers and sisters. And we you see this value that we all have because everybody is, is respecting us and they're helping us. They appreciate our contribution into the body of Christ. It also creates unity. Jesus prayed for unity in John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, which is us, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed that we would all be unified as one as one body. When we're all prioritizing these godly relationships, we're spending time with our brothers and sisters, we're really strengthening those bonds, it does create unity. It, it does help us to be one as Jesus prayed for. We can also look over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, But God, who was rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now go down to verse 20. It says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth up into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God raised us all up with Jesus being our foundation. He raises us up together. He's the one who puts us in the church. He's the one who fitly frames us together so that we can grow together. And when we are looking at the same, we're looking at Christians the same way that God looks at Christians as He has put them there for a purpose, then it's easier for us to prioritize these relationships. It's easier for us to create this bond, create this unity, to show appreciation because it's God who puts us all together. You know, when we look at divisions and we look at people separating and we're going their different ways, divisions come from people thinking that they're better than someone else, that their ideas are better. It comes from pride or it comes from them thinking that they don't need other people. They're just going to go out and do it on their own. And I hope that you've seen already in this study the importance of us needing each other in their life, the importance of us esteeming others better in their life. That's what God wants us to do is to create this unity. The world is going to teach you that you don't need anybody. You can go do it on your own. You can go do what you want. But God's telling us we do need each other. And we need to, to look at each other that we all need each other in order to grow. And finally, what it's going to do when we all prioritize these relationships is it's all going to grow our faith and in love. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We ought also always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. And that's what we receive as well. When we prioritize these relationships, we're strengthening each other, we're helping each other, we're growing with each other, 
it will grow our faith and it grows our love and that increases into all the world. And that is how the world is going to know we're His disciples. And that's what's going to be attractive for the world to want to be a part of that body. As Jesus talked about in John chapter 13, verse 34, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how the church becomes the guiding light to the world. By this bond, this unity, these relationships that we form, the care that we have one another, that we're showing this love for one another, they can see that we are the disciples of Christ. We are followers of Christ by how we treat one another and by, by spending time with one another and living with one another, helping one another. So as you continue on throughout this week, I would encourage you to take some time and really evaluate who you're spending the most amount of time with. Once again, I'm not telling you to completely cut relationships out of your life if they're not godly. There is an opportunity that you can help them, that you can influence them. We're called to go out and seek and save the lost, just as Jesus taught us. There's a lot of different things that we can talk about. But we need to, as Christians, prioritize godly relationships in our life. I hope you've seen the importance of that. We need to pay attention, be aware of the influences that we have in our life, and the responsibility that we have for our other brothers and sisters in our life, to help them, comfort them, encourage them, do what we can. If there's any here this morning that you haven't been baptized into Christ, you haven't become a disciple of Christ and a follower of His, I would encourage you to do that. And you can strengthen that relationship with Christ by submitting to Him in baptism. If there's others, you feel like your priorities have been a little bit off lately, that you've been following after the things of the world or you've been forcing yourself into a state of isolation, you've been pulling yourself back for whatever reason, or you haven't been prioritizing God the relationships and you'd like help to do that, then we can help you with that. It's important for you and it's important for us that we all continue to grow these relationships with each other. If there's one of either class that we can help, we ask you to come have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.